This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, today we're going to be, again, the Lord has been pressing upon me about raising the next generation, and uh, we're going to be talking about some ingredients today. In fact, I believe he's going to uh, move this to a, a, a series. I don't know when it's going to be finished. Believe it or not, it's, I have an actual message series that I have written about a filled and full life uh, months and months ago that's just sitting on the back burner. I know God has an appropriate time for it, but this time God wants us to be intentional about raising the next generation. And I want to speak to you young people as well as you middle-aged people and you older people. This message is for everybody. Today, especially today, we find that there has been, you know, our, our people are not learning so much from their peers. Uh, as far as they're learning so much from social distancing, they're learning from so, so, so much of social networking. They're not even peers that they're learning from, not even friends that they're learning from. They're learning from all kinds of, of different scenarios and, and different inputs. And God wants us to go, you know, have impartation. Why is it so important for us to fellowship together? Because there's impartation. God made us to touch one another. God made us to lay hands on one another. He made us to be that way. In fact, it's a, it's a doctrinal principle that is there's going to be transference. I, I remember one of the first messages that had such a key in my life was from my pastor was the transference of spirits. And we're not going to talk about that today, but you know, we are spirit beings, we live in this body, we have this crazy thinking going on inside of it, but we are spirit beings. And there's a transference that goes on spiritually by hanging around. That's why when you come into church, or whether you're you know, a part of a, 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 you know, another church family, a small group, or whatever the scenario, there's transference that goes on. That's why when you, sometimes you've ever been into a place where you just can feel it's so heavy, and there's, there's just, you know, I, I, I just got to get out of here. That's because there's a transference. There are people that have come into this house with addictions and literally had clarity of thought. They hadn't had clarity of thought in, in, in weeks and walk right in this place and have clarity. Why? Because there's a Holy Spirit transference the minute you walk into the house of God. Amen? And you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so you should have a transference of what God's doing through you, your life, and in your life to others. Well, today I want to talk about a key to what that means and what, how God wants to bring input into your life. Many of you today say, well, I'm in church so that I can receive. Well, what you have to recognize, there's ways to receive. And just like on my car outside has a key fob, and if I were to give you this key fob, that would give you access to that ride. And what happens is, is that people, go, you know, people aren't recognizing that to, they realize that the kingdom of God has keys. Jesus says, behold, I give you the keys. Well, today I'm gonna talk about a key, a key to receive in the kingdom. And without that key, you don't have access. So everybody say the word humility, say humility. Not something that is really, um, uh, <laughs> something that's really culturally correct today. Today, we have people that are always asserting. In fact, we have leadership today 
trying to assert itself and bring unity. In fact, we see we're one nation, right, that's under God, and yet everybody's trying to assert themselves as the better part or the better party. That's how we learn today is, is asserting oneself, intimidating or forcing one's opinions, and yet in the kingdom, it's not like that at all. In fact, do you realize that the first person that ever did that asserting oneself was the devil himself? He says, I will exalt myself. I will extol. I will, I, I, I. And yet we have so much I in our world today, and many times parents or, or culturally, we're raising our kids, trying to model our, you know, our children with what God is about without any discipline, and the I is raised up so much in our children today that what's going on is that they have making themselves an I person, and we have to build up their self-image and everything else, and yet the Bible says that we're supposed to die to self and live for him. And so today, uh, as we talk about humility, I'm gonna give you some references. In fact, if you would, turn to Philippians chapter two. Our first and most important reference should be Jesus himself. In Philippians chapter two, what did, how does the word of God look at humility how does you know, Jesus come into this world, and what is God expecting you? By the way, this isn't just an idea that, or a conceptual uh, thought that is, you know, well, this, this will work, this would be a good thing to do. This is literally a mandate from God. God isn't encouraging us to do this, he commands us to walk humbly before our God. And there, there is going to be a, a re, you know, there is a lot of recourse that will happen when we don't walk humbly before our God, or even walk humbly in authority. Philippians 2.1, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, if there's any fellowship together in the spirit, I mean, if, if that's not a reference to what God wants, I, I don't know, here it says that encouragement because you belong to God, comfort in his love, in his relationship, and then it says fellowship in the spirit. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Isn't that what our whole world's about? Is trying to impress? Why, why is it that I should be promoted? Why is it that I should have that, you know, why, why is it should, that I should have that attention? Why should I get that date, not you? Everything is about selfish and trying to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Have you ever, I mean, do you, just, just for a moment, how many environments do you walk in that are like that? How many environments, your workplace, your, is your home life? Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to eat, cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died in a criminal's death on a cross. I'm going to give you one more passage. It's not in your notes today, but I'd like it if you'd write it down. In 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8, the Holy Spirit just gave it to me right before we started this service. Humble yourself, therefore, underneath God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him 
because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we, we know that First Peter you know, 5, 8 verse, but we don't really realize that he can't devour you if you're in humility. But he can when you're not. When you're in pride, when you're in a, trying to assert yourself, when you're going, I, I, and we're going to talk about really what you know, humility is about in just a few minutes, but when I'm not taking this anymore, I'm going to, you know, I've had it, and you, you just hear the eye that gets on, and, and many times it's a way of, a physical way, a mental way, or a protective way where we have had our guard up, and it's not an entrusting way with our Lord. Number one, your study guides. The world states that it wants unity, but it goes about man's way and not God's. What I mean by that is I already referenced it. Man's way to assert himself. God's way is to humble himself. Man's way is to assert himself. God's way is to humble himself. Heaven and earth were divided on account of man's choices of wanting their own way. The whole reason that we're in the predicament we're in today is because man goes, I, you know what? I want to eat of that fruit tree. I know there's only one tree I'm not, I can't have. Man, I wish in life there was only one thing I shouldn't do. <laughs> but because of what one person did, there's just countless choices, that wrong choices I can make on any, any given day. But because man says, I, I, want, I want to do that. I want to take of that tree. Jesus humbled himself to bring unity. Jesus came down, it came from a perfect platform, a hierarchy of authority, and humbled himself to bring us unity again. Unity again. You can see this in a marriage where one, you know, in, in a, 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 when there's marital difficulty, where one person is asserting themselves and going, I'm more right than you are, and this, you know, than I, 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 I. Now, there may be some truth in it, but the approach that I have found is that there needs to be humility in it. There needs to be grace and humble himself. And look, I'm, I'm sharing this stuff, and yet I'm a sinner and I'm imperfect as I share it. But it doesn't mean I still can't share the truth. It still doesn't mean you can't share the Humility realizes and recognizes, look, I'm trying to convey what I know to be who God is in my life, and I know I'm doing it imperfectly, but nonetheless, God still requires me to share it. Philippians 2.7 says, instead he gave up his divine privileges. God gave up his divine privileges. Are we teaching our kids this? Look, you, 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 I know that you got some privileges and stuff, but you know, it's time for you to, to let go of those privileges. I've heard of um, families that on Christmas, we've never done this and probably be a good idea, but um, where they said, look, we're not gonna buy presents for one another. What we're going to do is we're gonna take that money that we would normally buy presents for us, we're gonna find a, a home that's struggling and we're gonna buy presents for them. They're teaching their children a discipline of humility. And they're recognizing it's not all about, because a lot of times, let's think about it. Christmas is one of the greatest holidays, obviously, amen? We're celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus. Yes? 
But in my, many times what happens is this great holiday, it all of a sudden this great holiday becomes, you know, the kids going over there, and I, I'm, I was one of the worst at it. I mean, I went over there, I looked underneath that tree, and I was looking for the biggest box, and I was looking for, you know, and I was shaking up, was going over there, and, and then, I was, then I married into this family that was even better than I was at it. My, my wife's family was crazy. They could guess almost everything that was underneath there. You could spend your whole time, you could throw weights, you could put weights in the box, you could try to do everything you could to try to make sure that they wouldn't guess it. They still would guess it. But the point of it is, is that it became this uh, picture of I instead of why Jesus came here. He came here for the world. And all of a sudden, Christmas became here for us or me. I'm going to uh, read a passage to you guys found in Daniel chapter 5. It's going to be up there. And, and, uh, and it's gonna, I find this passage to be very um, informative about humility and what it was supposed to be passed on. And can I say modeling, this is a guilt of my own life. And I find it so much, so, so, such a struggle today. Because parents, and, 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 and not only just parents, but even peers, there's this word, word called intolerant. That, you know, if it's, if it's, we would recognize it as sin, but all of a sudden we would bring out the truth and, well, you're intolerant. And so it, it, discipline and everything. So this, this lie that is just completely inundating um, all of our thinking, whereas us parents think that if all I do is model it now because I can't talk about it, I can't discipline about it, I can't, or, or, I, or peers, I can't even talk about what, you know, what, we, what you're doing and your struggle with your identity because otherwise I'm just intolerant. I, I want to uh, read this passage to, to you because I believe that um, what we need to have a picture of is not this way, but this way. What does God perspective on whatever the topic is. And by the way, the word of God talks about it. What does God's perspective, not this, this perspective keeps getting broader. The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to eternity. So this keeps getting broader and broader. And then in, in the more intolerant we are accused of being, the broader the way of destruction, and we don't get to talk about the narrow way. Because we're even called that intolerant means, well, you're narrow-minded. Well, I am narrow-minded when I'm talking about the kingdom because it's a narrow way. So I'm from perspective alone that Jesus paid a huge price so that I could talk about this narrow way. His name is Jesus. And he paid a dear sacrificial price so that I could get closer to him and know him. And it was, a, it was an act of redemption, not an act of just, well, this is a good idea and there's many different ways to heaven. There is only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. And yet, even by saying that, I'm accused of being intolerant. Just by saying that, I'm accused of being intolerant. And so I, I believe it's, we're living in a, a time where humility needs to be something that's passed on to every generation and talked about and embraced. And I don't think there's a, a better storyline that goes to Daniel chapter five. Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles. 
and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessors, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So if, if I could paint a picture of what this would be, this would be um, some famous uh, sports athlete or some uh, famous uh, politician or maybe some uh, uh, actor and puts on this huge party for all their peers. And, and, and what would happen is, is that most of the world because of our Facebook and Twitter and everything else, most of the world, including the church world, know all about this party. And they just would, they, the who's who was at this party, but you weren't invited. So here's all these nobles, here's all these who's who that are invited to this huge party, all right? And uh, he wanted to drink from them. What is he drinking from? Well, he's drinking from these, these things that were temple. These, these were talking about, this was the temple of God. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines, so they brought these gold cups from the temple, the house of God, in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Body of Christ, people are doing this stuff. Maybe you don't know about it, but people are praising stuff today that is idolatry. Things that people are, are lifting up things today that are not God heroic activities, in fact, just the opposite. And yet, a lot of our, our, our student community, a lot of our young people, a lot of even uh, people are just, they're coveting. I just, well, I wish I could be that who's who. I wish I could go to that party, or I wish that person was, you know, I could be married to that person, then I'd have this kind of car, or this kind of house, or this kind of life. We're, we're coveting, we're, we're a people that covet things so much. This is exactly like this era. These people were full of covetousness. And the king himself saw the hand, this, so this hand is writing on the wall. The king himself saw this hand as it wrote and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear and his legs gave way beneath them. The king shouted for the enchanters and astrologers and fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said, these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have gold chain placed around his neck. He will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when all the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell them what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed and his face turned pale as his nobles too were shaken. But when the queen mother heard what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. This, there is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight and understanding and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers. This man, Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, by predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you, and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words in the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. 
I am told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed in purple robes of royal honor and you'll have a gold chain placed around your neck. You'll become the third highest rulers in the kingdom. Daniel answered the king, keep your gifts, give them to someone else. But I will tell you what the writing means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that the people of all, all races and nations and languages trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society. He was given the mind of wild animals and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learned that the most high God rules over the kingdoms of this world and appoints anyone he desires to rule. You are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent this hand to write this message. This is the message that has written, meeny, meeny, tickle, and parson. This is what these words mean. Meeny means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tico means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not been measured up. Parson means divided, and your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes, a gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So what do you say, Pastor Ron? What are you trying to share with this Meeny, meeny, tico story. I'd I never forgotten it. It was one of the funniest things because um, I just think there's some of the weirdest and craziest words I've ever heard in the Bible. And nobody could read it. But a man full of the Holy Spirit could. Do you realize you guys are men and women that God wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? reason at every service, at the end of it, we want you to come forward and be filled with the Holy Spirit because we want the world to see who Jesus is inside of you. That's what our desire is. We know that that's God's plan, that you're an imperfect person, that, but as more you invite, more you humble yourself. See, that's what the altar is. It's, it's a place of humility, saying, God, I know that I surrender. That's what worship is. It's a place of surrender and humility. Asking, you know, just to take that next step. Say, God, I, I want more of you, not just for me, God, but God for the world out there. And, and I, Lord, I, they've seen enough of me. They need to see you in me. And God, I, I pray that they can see how when I go, you know, when I'm at the shop and I'm going to, you know, buy a cup of coffee, may they see you in me. Maybe, maybe God has you buy them a cup of coffee. Or maybe you, 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 you know, you're in the spirit and you sense something. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. You'll, you'll sense something different. And when you humble yourself, God, I, I need your eyes today. I need your heart today. I need your thoughts today. Number two, God has instructed us to pass humility on from generation to generation. Thoughts that we have outwardly when this happens. Well, that means we don't brag. Someone who's he's just this really 
mild-mannered person. A good Samaritan, someone who, who does something that's just out of the ordinary, and, and, and we think of humility as an, as an activity or an event. When God looks at it, humility is a spirit of being. It's just who you are. It's always you. In fact, um, there's a passage I want to share with you. In fact, it's after my point number three is, what exactly does God want us to pass on? Humility, it's something that you clothe with. I mean, thank God you didn't forget to put your clothes on this morning. We would have ushered you out. <laughs> okay? Well, how many of us forgot to put humility on? And God says it's clothing. Every day. In fact, right here, Colossians 3.12. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must Clothe yourself with tenderheartedness, mercy, kindness, humility. It means it's something that you're supposed to have as your attire. It's every day you put on humility. It's not an event. It's not some good-do moment. It's something you're clothed with every day. Well, you know what, and I can tell what kind of clothing you're wearing by just the, by the colors and, and, the, you know, and, and what you're wearing because that's, that's what you're wearing. I can see it. That's, God wants you to have that because, see, people need to see God in your life. And so you clothe yourself with humility. Number four, humility is God's method and pathway of receiving how many of you want to receive from God? All right. It's, it's a pathway. It's a pathway, which means you've heard before, you say, man, you got to be in the right place at the right time. Well, humility always puts you in the right place and the right time. Let me give you an example of me and how I frustrated this in my life. And you know what? God has a way of bringing a lesson. And I was uh, newly... Uh, on staff, I was a children's pastor in Resurrection Life in Grand Haven, and I had all these visions and these dreams of, of kids camp, and, and I had these uh, ideas of having an outreach children's ministry at a, in, a, um, in a trailer park, and, and I just had all this, I mean, just I was alive, and I wanted to have, I, I built, I guess I was a builder, so I built this puppet stage, and, and Brenda, believe it or not, she was a keyboardist, and she would play, and we were, she was singing with me and worshiping God, and, and uh, we just had this, all this these ideas, and then I, I needed help because I'm not very administrative, and, and I, I have so much going on here, and then a lot of it get lost when you start writing it down. And so um, I, I learned from a mentor, he says, you'll get three times more done when you have other people that are gifted differently around your life. And some of us are so, when we see somebody gift, gifted differently than us, we get very intimidated by us. So I was taught a long time, humble yourself, but you see, it's one thing to get taught it, and it's another thing to buy into it, amen? So I was taught it, but I didn't buy in. And so God has a way of getting his message across. And so my pastor hired um, this uh, lady, and uh, I know her really well, and we love each other, but uh, her name is Carol Whittem. And Carol came on staff, and Carol Whittem had this, she loved kids too, but her perspective, children's ministry was like, 100% in a different direction. She was, she was, a, um, she was a person that had a, led praise and worship. So her picture, and I didn't obviously lead praise and worship. So her picture was to have this big kids choir and yada yada. And so we were going in different directions. And I thought that my pastor hired her 
to help me. And, and that was true, but God had a bigger picture. And that that was that I needed to humble myself and recognize that I needed her help in other areas, not that she was just a slave or a helper of my life. And so I remember we had this huge, um, we, we, we functioned together, but we were not unified, kind of like a lot of marriages. Function together, but not unified. See, unity is this, it only comes through you know, humility, where you think of the other one more than yourself. And so neither one of us were on that page. I'm, I shouldn't even say that of her, but the actions didn't seem or appear that way. I can definitely tell you from my heart it wasn't that way. And so we were have, it was our first Christmas time together to work together, and we had tremendously opposing ideas of how we were gonna do the, the kids show. And what had happened is, is that I remember, because see, a lot of us carry a lot of hurts in our life, and God wants, you know, God's such a good God, he knows how to heal you, even when you were in, you know, like you were fifth grade. Who's to think that here I am an adult in the ministry, and God's going, you still got wounds from being in fifth grade. And I had this wound, I didn't even know it was there. And I remember that I had to go up and perform in front of a church so that I could get some chocolate. And it left a really bad impression in my mind. So I thought, I made a vow. Anybody knows what vows are, right? Things you're not supposed to be doing. I made a vow, I said, I'm never doing that. And I'm never gonna make any kid do that. And so here, we, here I have this vow, and Carol wants to put on this huge, and it was beautiful is what she wanted to do. I, I want you guys to hear that. But because of my wound, we have nothing to do with that. And so Carol, um, she goes to, to my pastor, her pastor, and she had leverage him to say, we're doing that. And you know what, I handled it so beautiful and humbly. No, I did not, it's okay. I was approached by my superior, telling me what the, you know, this is what I was going to do, and this is what he wanted to get done. And I'll never forget, I walked out of that office, and I slammed the door, and I walked, and we, we, were, we had an office in Spring Lake area, and I'm walking right along the waterfront. And I'm, I'm like, like a, I'm like a like four-year-old. You know, just clomping my feet, going over there, and God, why'd you put me here? You know you got this vision inside of me, and she's going over there and trying to change the vision. Then she goes over there and manipulates the pastor, and goes over there, and now we and I mean, I'm just going off and off and off. And God's just waiting for me to get, he's waiting for me to get done. Cast all your anxiety on him, okay? God's like, actually, God's thankful for this process, even though it's ridiculous. He's thankful for it. Because see, I could, what I could do, what a lot of people do, is I could turn inside it, instead of giving it to God, let it go inside and eat me up and create this really embittered attitude toward Carol, embittered attitude toward pastor, an embittered attitude toward ministry, or I can cast it on God and God's gonna go, we're gonna fix this. So he waits for me to get done. In fact, he literally said, are you done? I thought, I probably got some more, but maybe this is probably not time to bring it, all right? So I go, yeah. He said, you're going to do it, and you're going to be thankful that you can do it. And you know what? God didn't give me one why. He didn't give me one, well, this is why we're doing it, because this is the best way of doing it, because I was waiting for the why. I was waiting for that. God didn't give me a why. Do it. Why? I, 
I was just, I had the why was there in me. Why? Guy goes, do it, trust me. And what I didn't realize is this, is that what God did through that whole time is God moved my heart to be in fellowship with Carol. It had nothing to do, nothing to do with the children's program. God hurt because my fellowship in the spirit was broke over something that happened to me in fifth grade. And he says, we gotta, get, we gotta get through this because see, there's a transferring of spirits and God didn't want that hurt that's inside of me transferred in a whole children's program. He had to work, God had to do a work in my life because there's a transference of spirits. How many things parents are hurt and wounded in our own life that we're transferring because we're not allowing God to heal us and restore us. Thank, I'm so thankful for those moments. James 4, 6 says this, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, and God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 10, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. So many of us are looking for promotion and God is looking for humility. We're sitting there because the world teaches us we have, to be the, we have to have the education, we have the experience, and God's going, no you don't. I can bring that in your life in one moment. I need you to have humility. Who is the smartest person? Who is the most gifted person on the planet Earth and in heaven? Lucifer himself. And he wanted a promotion, and he tried to take, he took it himself upon himself. And God's going, I need you to have humility. What does that look like? Luke 14, Jesus gives this example. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you'll walk away embarrassed. And you'll have to take whatever seat it is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then what your host sees you, he'll come and say, friend, we have better place for you. Then you'll be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Number five, humility is a requirement of God. It's not a good idea. It's not a good intention. I'll get around to it. Or I'll put these clothes on today and tomorrow I'll wear something different. Micah 6, 8. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you. It's a requirement to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. It is, it is not a good intention. It's not something you get around to. It is a requirement of God. Number six, the opposite of humility is pride, and I've already talked to you, but referencing of Lucifer himself is found in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth. You have been destroyed. You who have destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I'll preside in the mountain of the gods far away to the north. I will climb far away, in the, far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and will be like the most high. So breaking this down and closing here, what is it, I mean, how, how, how does this really uh, uh, applicable? 
Do you feel that you've not been recognized? Chances are you're not going to walk humbly. You're going to want to assert yourself. Do you feel that you could do it better than one in leadership? Chances are you're going to struggle with humility. Do you have your heart set on someone else's position? Have you been thinking of how different it would be if if you were leading instead of them? I have uh, put together kind of a four-step thing that I always do in my own life when I'm looking to get answers from God. And And I'm gonna share this with you because I find that a lot of people don't know how to hear God's voice. And I really believe that a reason that God's not, or God's, you're not hearing God is because you lack humility in your life. And many times people want God to do what they want God to do instead of God's wanting you to walk humbly. For instance, the whole children's program, God was saying, I, I want to heal you, Pastor Ron, of what happened to you in fifth grade. Because I don't want you to take this wound that's in your life you don't even know is there and pass it on into my kids. The four-step process that I always do, and I, I hate talking, talking about these steps, but this is just kind of something I just do. It's just more organic in my life is I ask the Lord what truth to be unified with. I humble myself, God, what truth are you trying to convey to me? I remember trying to sell an asset in my life, and God's truth was, that a good name is to be sought after more than riches. God didn't care about selling the asset. He cared about the principle of a good name is more important than riches. And I was after the riches. I was after the, after the financial gain of it. God had to teach me a good name is to be sought after more than riches. Ask the Lord what truth he's trying to share with you. Right now, the truth I'm trying to talk to you about is humility. Wait on the revelation from the Holy Spirit. Wait on it. Wait on it. And then, you know, sometimes even share. I, I've, I don't know if you have friends that you talk about the Bible with, but if you don't, you need it. You know that God made you to fellowship with him and with one another. And when he says fellowship with each other, it's, it's not just talking about all the dumb things in this world. You know, one thing that God gave me is a friend that went to a different church. And at first, it really frustrated me. I went, because I was trying to get him to come to my church. And he was trying to get me to come to his church. Then I realized that that wasn't God's plan at all. God says, we're going to get twice as much because we're going to two different churches. And so we would talk all week long about what we learned. And then try to, and try to put it in our life. Because remember what I talked about last week? I said, you forget within what? 50% of it in the first hour, 70% in the next 24 So you know what we did is we constantly talked about it so we wouldn't forget it. Wait on the revelation. And I believe many times the revelation came through brothers and sisters in Christ I loved and respected. Be anxious about nothing. Really hard to do. And I can say from my own life, it's really hard to do when I I want to accomplish a lot. So be anxious about nothing. You know what anxiety is this? Is the inability to sort. That's all it is. Inability to sort. Who do you want to sort it? God or you? So what I found is this. Be anxious about nothing. Said, God, help my sorter. Help my sorter. And then let God's peace rule you. Let God's peace rule 
you, which means it has rulership. When God spoke to me and said, look, I want my first prayer, giving it to God, I wanted God to fix Pastor Bernie and Carol. When I approached that prayer, I had every thought and every desire that God was gonna hear my prayer on the back of their head and put them in alignment with Pastor Ron's wishes. How many times do we have that in our own prayer with our marriage, with our kids, or whatever? Never in my wildest imagination was God gonna use this hardship, I thought, to teach me his ways. Teach me his ways. I was talking in closing this, I was talking to um, some of my kids this uh, yesterday, and uh, we had a big party for um, my, uh, one of my granddaughters, Zoe. It was her first birthday, and so all the family gets together, and it's just a, it's a big hoopla, and I, I love to watch how everybody does it differently. And my, my daughter, Samantha, and I were there talking, and it was my, it's my daughter, Kendra, it's her, her, it's my granddaughter, it's Kendra's daughter, and anyway, um, point is, is we were, we were talking, and, and, I, and I've learned how we can laugh about things. Let me tell you another thing about what I find in life, and Pastor Mark mentioned it in prayer today, and I don't know if he knew about it, but is laughter's a medicine. And let me tell you something, I need medicated because this world is always trying to make me sick. And so I found that a lot of times, and he's given me a wonderful wife that we laugh a lot together too, and, but I laugh a lot, even though a lot of things aren't funny. But I laugh a lot because it, it medicates me so I don't get embittered and sick. Because bitterness is a sickness. And so I, I turn and I just find um, to laugh. And so we were watching this presence open up and, I, and I'm trying to teach that to my kids and my grandkids that are in the front row right now <laughs> to laugh because something's hurt. And so one of the things that I was, uh, my daughter, my Samantha were going, so, so all these presents are opening up and, and uh, one of the, the dolls that was opened up is, uh, um, I said, who, who bought the creepy, creepy doll? And I was, you know, and, and Samantha was right next to me. And I'm sorry, but this doll looked pretty creepy. You know, and so, and, and all of a sudden, Samantha starts laughing. And she goes, I did. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, like, take the foot out of my mouth, you know? So, but anyway, we just, we just found it to be, instead of an awkward moment, we laughed about it. And we realized that, you know, because we, we realized that life is about honestly is, is making mistakes and also making steps, right steps. It's, that's what life is. And I, I've, I try to share with you, I make a lot of mistakes. But I'm gonna humble myself and at least admit them. And I try to model that on purpose. I don't want you to think, well, man, that, I, don't wanna, I wanna get a different pastor because this guy, I need to trade him in. This guy's making tons of mistakes. I'm gonna find one that doesn't. There isn't one pastor that doesn't. Every person is a sinner. And what I find is this, that you know what, I don't mean to sometimes, I'm just trying to make conversation, I'm trying to, to open up my kids' hearts and lives and I'm not as good at it as others. I find myself really good at those one-on-one, -on -one, like talking to my mother-in-law last night who my father-in-law died a couple years ago and we're just having this Jesus, I'm just like, I'm the son but I'm opening up her heart. 
Or I'm having that time with my, my, my uh, sister-in-law, Joy, who lost her husband, and I'm having that. But you know, sometimes I'm really bad at crowds. And, and I can just put my foot in my mouth because I'm, I'm trying to connect, but I don't have the gift like Brenda does. I don't have that, that crowd connect gift. And so I just say dumb things at times, you know what I mean? But you know what I'm learning is I'm not gonna be afraid because I've lived in fear so much of my life and afraid of saying the wrong thing. And you know what I've learned is, is faith helps me. And some of you, some of you need to hear this right now. Some of you are so afraid to say the wrong thing that you're living in bondage and God, isn't, God wants to free you and you're going to say the wrong thing. Brenda says the wrong things. She'll laugh about it. Okay, we all say the wrong thing. Let me tell you what the thing is, this. God gave us words, counsels like deep water and a man of understanding draws it out. That's what it is. You know, and I'm not talking about what's here. I'm talking about what's here. God counseled my heart something that happened to me in fifth grade through a crazy event, and I was a pastor. You would say, you would have said, well, that guy should know better. Yep, I should have. But I didn't even know it was there. And God, like deep water, draws that right out. He says, I want to make a pure heart in you, Pastor Ron. And the only way that I can do that is to get some of that, you know, that that yuck out of your life. Every one of us have it in us. But will we allow God, will we get it during worship today? Will we humble ourselves? God, I don't even, you know, I, I like what David said. Search me, oh God. See if there be any wicked way about me. Are you serious? He's like, God, search me. I know there are things in me that are still a hot mess, and I don't even see them. Please, search them out, God. That might be pure in your eyes. May that be us. And the Bible says, if my people will humble themselves and then pray, do you see what goes first? The reason I believe most prayer isn't answered it's because the first ingredient of receiving isn't there. We want to assert ourselves, let God hear what we want him to hear, and him to fix what we want him to fix. And God's going, I got lessons. I got purity that I want to put inside of your heart. Just so please bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I thank you for this moment, just in your spirit, that we're fellowshipping in truth. We're fellowshipping in spirit. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you, like David said in Psalms, search me, O God, and know me. See if there be any wicked way, any offensive way. God, I don't think you have to search very hard, and I'm sorry, God, for those things that offend you, that put your son on the cross. God, forgive me. Lord, forgive us. God, I pray that there would be a newness, a freshness in the air today with your Holy Spirit. I pray that it would not just be an event, but I pray that we would clothe ourselves with humility. It would not be something that we just came here on a Sunday, the 20th of September, and just heard a message, but it would be something that we would wear every day to receive who you are in our lives so the world might know and see who you are in and through 
our lives. Forgive us for trying to assert, trying to fight for our own rights. If you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that even the idea or concept of, of being in front of Jesus or God the Father is, is scary to you and not freedom to you, you can have that personal encounter with Him and start a relationship with Him right now in this very moment. Or maybe you've wandered away and you say, God, would He have you back? Absolutely. Longing for you to come back to Him. If either one of those situations are you, why don't you raise your hand nice high and say, that's me, Pastor Ron. Anybody else say, that's me? Please pray for me today. Anybody here? Thank you for that hand, sir. Anybody else? All right, church family, let's stand up. We're going to pray together, and then we're going to worship. Let's all stand up right now, we're going to pray together. Say, Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, I humble myself. I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I need Jesus in a real way. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I accept your forgiveness that you paid for on the cross. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray during this worship service, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just move on hearts. I pray enlightenment. God, I pray humility would just be an ingredient, Father, that some of us would go to new places with or even fresh, a freshness about it. But Holy Spirit, have your way in this moment. In Jesus' name, let's worship him together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.